Hello and welcome to Muppet Sational, the UK's biggest Muppet Show podcast, hosted by three huge Muppet fans. Join us each week as we dive into an episode of Jim Henson's classic variety show, now finally available on Disney+. This week, it's Season 2, Episode 8, starring the wacky and riled up Steve Martin. It's time to get things started on the chronological, explorational, conversational, Muppetsational! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Muppetsational. I'm Lewis Chandler. I'm Jay Turner. And I'm Emma Chandler. And we are here this week, as we are every week, to discuss another episode of The Muppet Show. However, <laughs> in this case, we are here this week, as we were a few weeks ago, to discuss the same episode of The Muppet Show. So... <laughs> A little peek behind the curtain. <laughs> we we actually have already watched this episode previously with Steve Martin because we actually have already recorded this episode before. Well, attempted to record an episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to bury the lead, Jade. <laughs> so we had booked... Uh, for our very first ever guest on Muppet Sational, the lovely Brian J. Jones, writer of Jim Henson, a biography which we litigiously read out <laughs> <laughs> during the entire first season of Muppet Sational. And rather than suing us, Brian J. Jones actually agreed to come on the show. We had a wonderful over two hour discussion with him. Yes, he was very, very generous with his time. And it got to a point where my headphones were fully dying because... Airbuds or whatever they're called are just not built to actually last for anything. I was like, I'm cutting out. I'm gone. I've got nothing left. And then unfortunately we realized we'd had a little technical error and we had lost a certain part of the episode. So rather than giving you an incomplete version, we are like a virgin pretending to be touched for the very first time. <laughs> and so we are sadly without Brian J. Jones uh, for this episode because we felt it was unfair for us to make him retread it again. Yeah. However, we are hoping we are going to have him back for a future episode in the series. So I'm afraid you're stuck with just <laughs> the, uh, the regular crew. <laughs> How are you both doing? Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm I am looking forward to chatting about this with the three of us. Oh, I'm just gutted that we've lost that episode, but it's fine. Hey ho, we move on, don't we? Exactly. Yeah. We do. Although at the time there was a lot of crying emojis. <laughs> there were. <laughs> Bereft, I think is the yes. word. But Brian was very Brian was lovely about it and uh, yes, we are going to have him back later in the season uh, once all of our schedules can uh, realign. Uh, speaking of aligning schedules, Jade, why don't you kick us off with a little production information? Yes. Uh, so this episode was originally broadcast on the 9th of December 1977. It was written by Jerry Jewell, Joseph A. Bailey, Jim Henson and Don Hinckley and directed by Peter Harris. And Emma, if ever there's someone who does not need an introduction, I think it is the legendary Steve Martin, but... Let's dive into his biography. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think this might have been, apart from a couple of the guests that we had previously in season one, like Bruce, this is probably one of the first ones that we actually knew, you know, a bit more about him and what he's been up to in his career. A substantial, a substantial yeah. amount. Yeah. Beyond yeah. just name recognition. Exactly. So yeah, Steve Martin is an actor, comedian, writer, producer, and magician. Oh my God, I can't say musician. <laughs> 
He's, He's a magician. <laughs> Although he was a magician in Disneyland. So, yes. Maybe watch this glass of wine. <laughs> Lewis has got a bucket of He's wine. He's got a bucket case of wine. I think it's because I've eaten a lot of carbs. I feel like I'm full of carbs. So I'm a bit like, ooh. <laughs> oh, God. Emma's basically drunk on carbs. I'm drunk on carbs. Lewis is drunk on wine. I'm, I'm drunk, drunk on carbs. <laughs> and I've taken some painkillers. <laughs> Look, we already did this episode once. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Come on, Emma. I believe in you. You can say musician. I'm gonna. St- I'm gonna start again. Get ready, everyone. Okay. So Steve Martin is an actor, comedian, writer, producer, and musician. Yay! Yay! Um, he began his career as a stand-up comedian um, in nightclubs, where he had a bit of a comedy and banjo act which we'll probably talk about a bit more because uh he does play the banjo quite a lot in this episode um and then whilst he was a student he was also writing for a lot of american sort of popular tv shows for example the sunny and share show mm. um and then kind of during the 70s he was doing a lot of stand-up routines on the sort of big tv shows at the time and then his kind of like breakthrough moment was in 1976 when he hosted the first episode of SNL. And he's since then, he's made over 25 appearances on the show. Um, and then throughout the sort of 80s, 90s and noughties, he was in a lot of films like Father of the Bride, Planes, Trains and Automobiles, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Cheaper by the Dozen. And I suppose at the moment, he's probably most well known for only murders in the building but yeah steve martin this is the youngest i have ever seen steve martin in yeah in 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 some Uh, form of media i have watched some of the first season of snl sky arts randomly had it a few years ago um so i guess i've seen him ever so slightly younger yeah but yeah that's in this era of mm. steve martin is is definitely mm. the youngest i've ever seen him i love sky arts because there's so much random stuff on there <laughs> you never know what's on each day <laughs> they will toss on anything any yeah. like <laughs> the amount of like discovering whoever the actor yes. is and then they just it's literally like and when you've watched a few of them you start to realize that all of their sort of talking heads they clearly booked them for one yep. day and said Talk for 15 minutes about Burt Lancaster. <laughs> Talk for 15 minutes about Olivia de Havilland. <laughs> or they just prompt them for the same, like, roundabout points every time. It's always, like, the editor of Empire. It's always that really, I think it's, like, something Sewell, that really pretentious art critic. And I'm like, why is he there? <laughs> it's the same people over and over again. And it it does kind of take the uh, the bloom off of, uh, oh, what a lovely hour-long documentary on, I don't know, Vera Biles. And you go, wait a minute, I just that guy talking about John Wayne (laughs) in the same living room and he said exactly the same thing except he dropped in John Wayne that time (laughs) (laughs) yeah they just flapped their mouths John Wayne was very powerful (laughs) (laughs) Olivia de Havilland was very striking Yeah. I found Steve Martin oddly attractive during this episode. And that's a very confusing feeling. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. I was like, I was like, oh, is he quite good looking? But that's super weird. Why am I horny for grandpa? <laughs> 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 I kind of already regret committing those words. To- <laughs> <laughs> 
feel like that's going to come back to haunt me. <laughs> Lewis Chandler, mm. infamously known for fancying Steve Martin. <laughs> Horny for Grandpa. <laughs> Why did I say I don't know, that's completely on you. I think that's going to be your tagline for this episode. <laughs> Um, Ed Lewis okay. is horny for grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> if that isn't in the episode notes, you know that that means I've sent uh, quite like firm WhatsApp messages <laughs> to Jaden. It's like, no, we're not doing this. <laughs> so there's a little peek behind the curtain again for you. <laughs> Lewis has had a full on strop is basically what that means if it doesn't end up in the, in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is weird seeing him this young. I, I feel like... I mean, obviously, we all grew up with him. I guess, like, Father of the Bride must be one of the first things I saw him in. Emma and I's first interaction, I'm pretty sure, was uh, the Steve Martin Queen Latifah comedy, Bringing Down yes! the House. <laughs> that's, that must be, that's after Father of the Bride, isn't it? Yeah, it's in the 2000s, Jade. We never got shown Father of the what? Bride. What? Oh my god, are you kidding? We used to watch it all the time. My mum used to go around being fronk, like, constantly. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Have you never seen it? <laughs> no, <gasps> it's weird because I feel like they're always showing Father of the Bride Part Two on ITV Two, and they're never showing the first one. And I'm and I have a, I don't want to see the sequel until I see the. first Is it one. on Disney Plus? I don't even know if it's a Disney film. I feel like it might be. It might be. It feels like a touchstone thing. Yeah. Oh, um, it's... I'll have to look. No, I do mean to. But yeah, my first interaction was <laughs> bringing down the house, which I have not revisited. I would assume in about fifteen years. But I, I remember it as a rob. <laughs> Would you like some shampoo? It's got Eugene Levy. <laughs> it's got Eugene Levy and um, oh, what's um Laurence Olivier's final wife called? The one who's also in One Hundred and One Dalmatians, as the 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 nanny. Oh, Joan Plowright. Joan Plowright. Yeah, she's in it too. She gets stoned at the club. <laughs> <laughs> I would worry to revisit that film. I think also Missy Plyle's in it, because I think I remember <laughs> Steve Martin coming out of his like lawyer's office and seeing, I think it's like his sister-in-law played by Missy Plyle. He's like, oh, Veronica, who are you doing here? <laughs> Just, it's a good line. Uh, yeah, I don't know if bringing down the house is still any good. But Queen Latifah's <laughs> fun. Well, I guess my parents were super into him generally, because I remember them showing me things like the jerk and Roxanne at quite a young age. I couldn't tell you exactly when, but mm. I definitely was shown them as like, this is part of your comedy education. Sit down and watch Steve Martin in the jerk, which, you well, know, our, I don't, our parents never did. That. I don't regret. <laughs> I'm trying to think what our parents showed us. <laughs> Emma, <laughs> any, Look, seriously, like, I'm trying to remember, like... I think it was more just, like, kind of, like, Disney and Christmas films and stuff like that, wasn't it? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I I, I suppose I can remember Mum showing us Overboard. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the Goldie Horn and, um, oh, what's his name? Kurt Russell. Yeah, it's Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell comedy. Because Mum always likes to tell the story how she nearly gave birth to Emma watching the scene where Goldie Horn's trying to, like, cook a chicken or something. <laughs> I don't know. Hilarity ensues. You must have both seen Frank Oz's Little Shop of Horrors as well, presumably, or was that... No? I haven't actually <gasps> seen it. Oh my god. I know, I've seen various clips from it and I've always wanted to see it, but it's just, it is a little blind spot for me. And I've 
I have both auditioned for a production <laughs> and didn't get the lead, so I refused to take a chorus part. And <laughs> have seen Steve Martin sing the the dentist song, weirdly. But um, yeah, I've never actually sat down and watched the full movie, but I do need to do it before they release whatever that inevitable... Aren't they doing a remake at the moment? And I, I fear it's with Taron Egerton and Scarlett Johansson. Oh, what? Oh. Yeah, I know. Or at least that's what it was rumoured at the time. I don't know if it's actually been made or not, but that was certainly a rumoured cast at one point. That's bizarre casting. Isn't it? Mm. Mm. Well, anyway, just watch Frank Oz's version. It's great fun. (laughs) (laughs) No, I should do. I think the only Frank Oz film I've seen is his 2004 Stepford Wives. (laughs) Have you not seen Death at a Funeral? Oh, is that him? Yeah. Oh, then I have seen more than one. Okay, I just watched the Stepford Wives a lot. (laughs) Apparently they all hated each other on set. <laughs> That's in keeping with the the theme of the of the movie. <laughs> well, I don't know. No, I think it was like Bette Midler hated Frank Oz and like whoever that's Roger Bart hated Nicole Kidman and Nicole Kidman hated everybody and I'm sure Matthew Broderick was just like being a jerk. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I did. <laughs> right. Anyway, let, let, we've we've careened <laughs> far off course. Um. We're going to approach this episode uh, a little bit differently since the episode itself is not so strongly structured into a UK spot and here's the first number and this number and that. We're just going to have a bit more of a footloose and a fancy free discussion about all the different acts and vibes. We're just chilling, vibing. Gen Z. (laughs) Before I could get away with that. (laughs) Awkward silence. Shut up! (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, I mean, I guess the first thing to say about this episode is that the whole premise of the episode is that it isn't an episode. Kermit has mistakenly scheduled Steve Martin for the same night as they're hosting auditions for new acts for The Muppet Show. And so the whole episode, the whole episode, that's in quote marks, is actually just a series of little skits, little sketches, a couple of little numbers um, peppered with Steve Martin's stand-up act, essentially, throughout. I really enjoyed the sort of feel and the vibe of this episode. However, on a purely sort of like in-story concept, once again, I mean, we're only an episode off from the Muppets almost being closed down by J.P. Gross for you know, to turn the Muppet Theatre into something else. And now they are turning away a full audience <laughs> to instead hold auditions when they also have Steve Martin on the bill. Kermit is not a good businessman. No. Business frog. He's, he has no business savvy whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And why are they holding auditions in an evening? Surely that is a daytime activity. I could tell you for a fact, Jade, it is. <laughs> yeah. I love scooting my way across to Zone 2 and the other ass end of London for 9.15 to pretend to be horny for a Big Mac. It is my favourite part of the job. Is that a grandpa Big Mac or just a Big Mac? (laughs) You said you were horny for it. I could be horny for lots of things. (laughs) Well, evidently. Why am I just committing these things to That wine, Lewis. <laughs> I know. I think you were right. I probably should have watered this one down. <laughs> you should have made it a spritz. <laughs> there was no raw room in the glass. <laughs> oh. Well, no, I can see that. <laughs> bloop, 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 bloop. 
This has got a really laid back, chilled vibe. And the performers just feel like they're so comfortable and confident doing it. Mm. And clearly there's also a great enthusiasm for Steve Martin. Like you can just tell that they're all so excited that he's there. I mean, obviously he was one of the biggest comic, not even up and coming, just one of the biggest comic stars of that time, wasn't Mm. he? So you, you feel that through everything that they do, even though there's barely an actual storyline other than Fozzie being a little bit jealous and worried about someone coming to take his spot and Piggy yanking Mary Louise off stage repeatedly. <laughs> oh my god, I loved that. So good. So good. Well, shall we shall we just get stuck in with talking about some of the ones that we that we did enjoy? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, you have just mentioned them, but the 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 combo of Mary Louise and friend uh, that sort of running gag. Um, there is nothing funnier than a big cane coming in to just swoop someone off by the neck. It's so good. <laughs> it's classic. I've always wanted that to happen. I just thought it was really funny as well. The fact that she just like changes her name every time. So she's like Mary Louise, then it's Terry Louise, and then it's like Carrie Louise. And then I love the fact that at the end, like the payoff is the fact that you find out that it's Miss Piggy hooking her off with the the cane and being like, I'm the only female performer on this show. (laughs) Which unfortunately is mostly still the case come 2022. So maybe she should have let Mary Louise or Terry Louise or Sherry (laughs) Louise stay on, to be honest, because from a representation standpoint, it's just her and Janice at the moment. (laughs) Yeah, I loved how they structured it. The fact that you had that sort of waiting game of who the hell is it that's hooking her off each time? And then we did finally see it was Piggy. But yeah, like, <laughs> to hear Piggy literally say, like, I'm the only female performer. It's like, no, Piggy. Yeah. We hold each other up. Women support supporting women. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what are you doing? Don't be what a gatekeeper. Be a girl boss. <laughs> <laughs> However, I still immediately sympathize with Piggy as well, that I would do the exact same thing as some other little blonde twerp turned up and started doing a monologue. I'd be like, listen, pal. <laughs> this is my patch. Yeah, and we have to obviously say about Mary Louise, Terry Louise, Carrie Louise, <laughs> that this is Louise Gold's first proper character that she has in The Muppet Show. So oh. she was in last episode as a singing voice in a chorus, but this time she's actually got some characters and Mary Louise is the first proper performance that she's giving post-audition so that's really exciting as well. And I, like, yeah, to come back to your point, Lewis, about Piggy still being <laughs> the only real performer on The Muppet Show or with The Muppets other than Janice, like, they now at least have a female <laughs> puppeteer. So that's exciting. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and she's British. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I I did have a lot of love. Speaking of uh, 
you know, female acts, the uh, the Trek sisters, the four can-can dancing rats. There's nothing funnier than some dancing rats. They gave me the vibe of the uh, the the rat tourists from Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs> I really liked the premise of them, but I found the actual execution of them a little bit sloppy. But I don't know whether that was meant to be the case that they were a bit crap, or whether it was just the case that they didn't really rehearse enough and it was all a bit out of time and a little bit slapdash. I wasn't. I wasn't it sure. It was a little rough and ready. Yeah. 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 Also, the rats are just a bit creepy that they obviously haven't figured out how to do, like, the faces on them yet. So they're all a little bit <laughs> glassy-eyed and just like, hmm. There was enchanted French can-can rats. <laughs> like, you, can't, you can't expect light behind the eyes from a can-can dancer, Jade. Have you not watched Moulin Rouge? <laughs> I'm sorry, I forgot that all the rats had TB and were... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Lewis just <laughs> took a huge <laughs> swig of wine. <laughs> Emma, what did you think of the rats? Yeah, no, I thought they were quite good. I I kind of enjoyed it as well. And I thought it was, I really liked the line that Fozzie said beforehand where he was like, please don't let them be funny. Like he was worried <laughs> that the can-can rats were going to outdo him somewhere. <laughs> We do slightly go back to uh, Sad Sack mm. Fozzy in this episode a bit, don't we? We do, although I think it's also kind of understandable because I think he knows that he still hasn't really honed his act particularly. So I think there's obviously just that acknowledgement of <laughs> I haven't figured out my comedy act yet and now you're in. Now you're auditioning other comedy acts. What am I supposed to do here? <laughs> but yeah, he's... I think he does slightly verge on sappy at points. I think what actually brings it back a little bit is when Lenny the Lizard does his audition and then he's able to rile yes. Kermit back and say like, oh, are you enriched? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I love Lenny the Lizard. It's That's so funny because especially as it kind of follows um, the Baskerville the Hound yes. one. And yeah. the fact that before that Kermit's like, you should embrace you know, another comedian on the show and it's all good. And then obviously Baskerville comes on and he does his little bit. And, um, you know, obviously Fozzie's quite upset about that. And then I think it's really funny when Lenny the Lizard comes on and Kermit's like, what the hey? And Fozzie's <laughs> yeah. like, ah, see, see. And he's like, next. I love that. Yeah, it was very good. Although Lenny the Lizard and... Uh, Baskerville the Hound. They they are some real skinny, thin looking they muppets. Are. <laughs> they, they didn't even they didn't even sort of try and go for like uh, an approximation. It was just sort of like a yeah. There you go. They just we'll put the neckerchief on him, and uh, this one's a lizard. <laughs> I think that's kind of the point, though, isn't it? Is just like <laughs> that they are clearly these second rate muppets that are not yeah. the beautiful <laughs> muppets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're the, they're the original Moopits. <laughs> yeah. Okay, actually, I've got a question. Well, as we as we go through, um, you have to give a vote as to whether you would allow an act onto the Muppet show. Okay, So Okay, yeah. so for the Latrec sisters, uh, we go to Judge Emma, yes or no? No. Ooh. Judge Jade. Uh, yes, because I think they can be trained up to be of uh, acceptable calibre. 
And I, Judge Lewis, also say yes. So that they go They're through. going to Hollywood. One. They're going to <laughs> They're Hollywood. They're going to Hollywood. <laughs> oh, but you're doing American Idol. I just realised what you were doing. <laughs> I thought you were doing RuPaul's Drag Race. No, <laughs> so, just doing American Idol. They'll go to Hollywood <laughs> to make their own original series with the creators of RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> um, okay, next act. Mary Louise, Terry Louise, Carrie Louise and friend. Uh, Judge Jade, yes or no? Hell yes. She she is desperately needed on the Muppet show. <laughs> Emma. Yes. She wants her moment in the sun. She wants to be a star. <laughs> Ribbit. Okay. Well, it doesn't mean anything, but I would have said no because she has no presence. So I'm afraid I, <laughs> I wouldn't have put Mary Louise through to Hollywood. But, you know, you, Randy and... Uh, what Paula. The hell? <laughs> Paula. Paula. <laughs> I can't believe I couldn't think of a name Paula Abdul, but I could think of MC Scat Cat. Like, <laughs> we take two steps forward and two steps back. We come together. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the career that Paula Abdul has had, and all my brain could say is MC Scat Cat. <laughs> So should we talk about uh, Steve's uh, sort of three, is it three acts he does over the he course of the episode? He does four, doesn't he, including the final um, dueling banjo bit. He does quite a lot for a guest. Yeah, he has, he has got he quite has a lot. He has got a lot, yeah. Yeah. It's it's quite interesting because obviously I'm really happy with the sort of the, the, the break in format. I like that they feel confident enough that they can step away from it. But it's interesting that they waited until, you know, Steve Martin, who... By all accounts, is what he's very big at that moment, but he's only sort of four or five years into his career as a I don't know, like as an on TV or on. Yeah, I know what you mean. He's he's a recent he's a recent star yes, as opposed to a legacy star. He's yeah. not you know compared to an Edgar Bergen or a Milton Berle. He's brand new to this really. And I wonder if there's something about maybe if the writers of the Muppet Show have seen Steve. You know, they've gone and seen him or watched his stand-up or seen him on a TV show. And because that kind of alt-comedy speaks so directly to them as a style, as opposed to maybe the sort of this classic variety show format, which obviously has been running for, at that point, maybe 20, 30 years. So maybe there's something about, like, you know, they get these legacy stars, these old stars, and they, they know, oh, we'll put them into... One sketch, we give them a song if they can sing, we give them a dance if they can dance, and we build the rest of the variety show around them. I wonder if there's something specific about the fact that Steve feels very contemporary that made them decide, oh, actually, let's not try and slot him into a a variety show. Let's just be a bit more footloose and fancy free with it. Yeah, I think so. And I also think that they probably just wanted him to do some stand up and that doesn't actually really work in the traditional variety show format. To to have him come on these four times that we see him and do these little bits, which for the most part don't involve any Muppets other than like when you get a little bit of, say, Swedish chef coming on with the, the squashed orange or whatever. It's 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 quite a different proposition. Oh, that's to... such a good point. Because actually, if you don't then get the main cast Muppets kind of into the audience, I guess. You're just not really going to get them. 
Yeah, because all no. you get is Scooter bringing on some extra balloons and Swedish mm-hmm. Chef popping on. And Gonzo comes on and says he's amazing, doesn't he? I think he's like, he's yeah. in love with him. But and that's then I kind think of you, it. Yeah, you lit- and then you just have um, interaction with Steve and I think Fozzy and Rolf in the audience. But mm-hmm. like you say, if they weren't there, it would literally just be him doing his bits. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's really, yeah, do you know, I hadn't quite considered that uh, from that kind of point of view. I was purely sort of thinking from like, oh, maybe they thought his style or the mm. fact he was contemporary made them do it. But no, you're right. It's actually just to keep the Muppets yeah. in there. Because otherwise, what do yeah. you do? <laughs> and also, I think that to go back to your point about keeping it more contemporary, I think the lack of a laugh track is really crucial with this. Because I think if yes. you had that really canned laughter over it, that would just totally ruin it. But having well, it's, clearly being it feels able like to... he's entertaining the crew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, clearly being able to hear individual people laughing is mm. is part of that because it just makes it feel like it is actually a comedy gig rather than it's a lot more TV. fraternal. Yes. Yeah. 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 It does. It just gives it that kind of. Um, it almost reminded me of you know when you used to watch I don't know live and kicking or some Mm -hmm. kind of like Saturday morning like T4 uh, show where the presenters are chatting and bantering and and joking and and they keep the laughter of the crew in it because it then gives it a more kind of jovial slightly sort of um, informal energy to it and you're right the sort of the decision to just not you know because they could still have tossed in that laugh track because they've they've said the other Muppets have come in to sit in the audience. But instead they don't. They You can hear the individual voices of those Muppet performers sort of sitting there in the audience. And it does. It does just, it gives it much more of a kind of offbeat energy. It's really nice. I really enjoyed this episode for the fact that within the audience you had different kind of Muppets interacting with each other, which you wouldn't necessarily have, mm. which I just thought was really refreshing to see. I am going to take this moment to highlight, um, because we are still talking about Steve. Uh, in Steve's first number, where they cut to the audience, Muppet Newsman has invited a floozy. <laughs> it's date into night. The audience. It's date night for Muppet <laughs> Newsman. He has invited some floozy to come watch the auditions. They're sitting like eight, ten rows back in like row M or whatever and just off to the left and he's whispering sweet nothings into her ear and she's sitting there being like, ooh, I'm with Muppet Newsman. I have never been more jealous of a Muppet in my damn life. (laughs) If she'd have stroked his nose, would you have just turned it off and walked away? I would have punched my television. (laughs) Get your hands off my man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I just loved it. It just gave such, and it, it's such the right Muppet to do that with. Do you know what I mean? Just, you know, this uh, very sort of appearing, uh, you know, stern or po not po face, but. He's very professional and put together and. Stern, yeah, professional. Suave. Uh, <laughs> suave Muppet. Then suddenly doing the exact kind of like show busy thing of like inviting some. Hey, babe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some gal. <laughs> yeah, literally, like, you up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just want to come watch some auditions. <laughs> yeah, so... I loved this. I, I don't know. I just, it, I, it, it thrilled me. <laughs> and it was really nice to see, like, having Floyd and Swedish Chef have a conversation and just having, like, Rolf sat there next to Piggy and Fozzie and 
yeah, it just had this. It, yeah, it just had such a different vibe than the show normally does, doesn't it? Like it did mm. feel like they had kicked off their shoes and yeah. just sort of gone like, we're just going to sit back and enjoy Steve Martin, and we're also going to enjoy whatever random Muppets happen upon the stage this evening. Yeah. And I also, I really liked as well, like some of the attention to detail, like especially when you turn to the audience and when they were first all sitting down and they didn't just sort of bob along and just like turn, like Gonzo actually pulled like the seat down. And I just thought that mm-hmm. w- that little extra mm. was really clever to do. Although you're right, like even the moment there's a little bit later on where you cut back to Kermit and he just has his feet up yeah. on the next row of seats and without sounding too much of an actor wanker the amount of theatres i've sat in like receiving notes where you just prop your feet up while you know it just it just that kind of casualness he's so comfortable there like i think it's yeah it's it's the difference between when you when you see the normal cut back to the audience and to use your favorite member of the audience lewis zelda rose you know she sat very upright and she's mm. clapping and she's looking mm. around and kermit's just laid back in his seat like this is his damn theater like he's just He's working. Yeah. And-, and also, actually, I, I liked the bit at the beginning as well when Steve comes on when Kermit talks to him and says that the show's not going on and he puts his, like, shower cap on Kermit. <laughs> and then <laughs> you cut back to Kermit mm. then, like, bobbing into the audience and he's still got the shower cap on his head then yeah. he takes yeah. it off. I loved that bit as well. Yeah, that was really good. I've just had a thought as well about um when Kermit is sat back with his legs up. That's a very Jim Henson pose. So I wonder if that was also a little nod to that's like how Jim liked to sit in his office. So I bet that was a little like, this is what Jim would be doing if he was auditioning. So this is what Kermit's doing. That's a nice point. So um, between the three acts we get with Steve, so we get the balloons, the juggling, and we get two banjo performances. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Judge Emma and Judge Jade, which which particular Steve would you put forward as your favourite and the one you'd put through to Hollywood? <laughs> Emma, do you want to go first? Oh, that's a really tough one, actually. Um, I would probably say, just because of the fact that it kind of brings everyone together, I do really like the like balloon animal one, even though it's quite a cheesy act. You can clearly see like everyone is really enjoying it and the laughter that it creates. And I mean, the bit where he talks about the balloon animal parents and then suddenly this like massive balloon bounces on that's meant to attack him. What is that? What is that? Because it is not a balloon. And then I love the fact that he's like, you can clearly see the cable that pulls him up when (laughs) yanks him up. (laughs) He's flying away. So I just think that is. That's probably my favourite one. So that would be the one that I would put through to Hollywood. How about you, Jade? Um, I quite like the juggling one. Yeah. I think there's just something in that that still... It feels quite like his humour is still now. And I feel like, obviously, he is still the same person. But because of his shift towards more movies and TV shows and things... I feel like his humour has developed, but I could still see him doing something like that juggling number. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh my God, I've just... Is he going to host something like SNL as his Brazos character on Only Murders in the Building? Because if he does something like that, then I could see him doing like that kind of skit in Only Murders of the Building. I'm so excited for season two. I really Oh, me too. It's such a sort of, 
bizarrely comforting, but also like well done. You know, like that kind of combination of it's so good. cozy but well yeah. done show. Does it come back in May? No, I think it's July. Oh, well, it's fine. June or July. I, I think. The thing, yeah. the thing currently filling my like cozy television slot right now. Although, why bother mentioning it? Because by the time this comes out, it, actually, maybe not. Um, I'm currently watching Julia. The, uh, oh. the Julia Child. <laughs> is it any good? Yes, it's absolutely charming. Okay. I would thoroughly recommend. It's on Now TV at the moment. Sarah Lancashire playing Julia Child. <laughs> <laughs> and it has a little mini Frasier reunion because it's David Hyde Pierce playing her husband, Paul Child. And then B.B. Newworth is playing uh, her neighbour. So it's um Niles and what's Frasier's ex-wife called, Emma? Oh, Lilith. Yeah, Lilith. <laughs> and they're really good. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. But anyway, that's that's currently filling my only murders in the building kind of vibe. <laughs> Hole. <laughs> exactly. So this works out quite perfectly because uh, the Steve that I would actually put forward to Hollywood is actually Banjo Steve because a little thing that doesn't quite make sense for me. I really love banjo music. I thought you were going to say something about being horny for banjos. Oh my God, that's a shade. <laughs> it was the way you were teeing it up. Like, a fun fact about me is... Yeah, okay. Banjo music. Carry on, Lewis. <laughs> Just because both a banjo and I both own a G-string doesn't mean that. I don't. <laughs> Keep those drawers behind you shut. Oh, for Kylie won't let me. It's fine. Kylie. Better than... Oh my God. No. Kylie. Get out of it, God. Um, no, I just really love banjo and bluegrass music. I find it incredibly soothing, particularly a slow banjo. Mm. A really slow banjo just kind of like plucking away as if I'm just, I don't know, Huckleberry Finn, just, I don't know, sitting by the bayou. I'm not sure if it takes place. <laughs> but, you know. Well, they, I, like a slow banjo makes me think of the music at the start of Pirates of the Caribbean. I swear there's a slow banjo bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that a banjo? I don't know. Oh, yeah, because isn't that a skeleton holding one? Probably. I swear there's a bit on the, the soundtrack that's that's banjo. Probably. But, um, yeah, I just find banjo music incredibly but would you, are you, soothing. Are you saying the, the dueling banjo is the final one? Because the rambling man has got the incredibly dodgy Chinese section in it which yeah i wasn't no i uh, yeah i i should have said jug band, yeah. uh banjo not uh racist banjo, not racist banjo. <laughs> although i i worry how much racism and a banjo do go hand in hand somehow <laughs> but uh no i should have uh, i should have specified uh yeah jug band jug band 
<laughs> Not the racism. Don't send the racism to Hollywood. <laughs> and then we have a couple of little sketches that are quite out there. <laughs> uh, we've got mm. the uh, Fazoobs from the planet Kuzbane doing their little like drum kind of singing number. Their thing that you would see going down the street in Disney's Animal Kingdom. Yes. <laughs> they definitely got Animal Kingdom vibes about them. <laughs> actually, do you know, I, I take that back. The thing that it actually made me think of was, um, you know, in the Disney animated uh, Alice in Wonderland. Yes. All yes. the sort of like moon rafts and yeah. little things that she sees in the forest. Yeah. Like the little horn with eyes and like little flappy feet. Like it just felt very kind of... I, I was expecting to hear the dulcet Anglo-American tones of Catherine Beaumont <laughs> trying to, like, <laughs> warble her way through another number. White rabbit! <laughs> White rabbit! <laughs> yeah, no, they are definitely very Alice in Wonderland-y. But then with the jazz trappings, I don't know, is that the right word? But the, it, the, the, the Jazz! Jazz! <laughs> the music is definitely that, like, jazzy style. I'm thinking of the... um. Oh, what was it called? The one that was like all the jazz music and they kept blowing smoke in YouTube. Blue Man Group? No, in The Muppet Show. There was that one that was like, it was oh, all smoky. Oh, Ooga Wooga. Yeah, the... that. Yeah. <laughs> Blue Man Group? Were <laughs> 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 you just going to start naming jazz things? <laughs> No, that's that's pretty much all I've got. That's it. That's it. That's it's that and that band from Chicago that Tay Diggs fronts. Like, does that count as jazz? Yeah, I guess it's the twenties, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, I think I just found them incredibly pleasing because it's that thing of their their shape and their design so perfectly then incorporates whatever sound or action that they're doing which mm -hmm. i know sounds stupid and obvious but actually when you're building four puppets the act i assume is not necessarily a given do you know what i mean like the act that they're going to be doing unless they've planned it out in some like they've planned the act in some way and then they build the puppets i'd be interested to know which way around it kind of goes if they just had this very flat-headed muppet which has like an almost an open head and two long arms that means he can bonk his own head and then a very long honking muppet and another one that's just a big fish looking thing i wonder at what point they decide oh we're going to put these together or they were always designed together and when they go oh let's just make them a purely percussion based act so yeah for me it was like a really gorgeous combination of um style and content and i will be putting them through to hollywood <laughs> yes i'll put them through too yeah i'll put them through our first unanimous <laughs> simon cow will be pleased <laughs> good for the physical well not that we can tell thanks to his recent facelift no he's not looking great 
It's like it's like his Madame Tussauds wax work has yeah. been left out in the it sun. Is, it's really weird. Really weird. That being said, I, actually more than anything, it's just like if if I was as rich as Simon Cowell, I would be getting that like Jane Fonda, Sharon Osbourne kind yeah, of work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Even the Madonna work in certain plate. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm, but Madonna, mm, but the, yeah, there's... Uh, uh, not that I think she's had tons done, but I think what she has had done is really good. Molly Shannon was on Colbert the other night, and um, I yeah. strongly recommend watching it. It's a really, really lovely um, segment. And I saw a little clip of it from Evan Roth's Cats. And I haven't yeah. read her book yet, but I can't wait to read it because mm. I love Molly Shannon. But I think she's had like impeccable work done. Because, she had work done? Well, it, it's just comparing her face to her neck, and I, like, I don't want to be presumptuous but her neck is quite wrinkly and her face does not look that way at all so i think whatever she's had done is just like it's just sort of retained her looking like molly shannon as we know her i tell you what it is the problem is just some faces are genuinely just better built to sort of take surgery than Mm -hmm. others like if you just have a face that has like gorgeous cheekbones that then just sort of like sit up there anyway if you're just like plumping those up that just looks like you whereas if Mm. you're somebody who's like always been like more oval faced and then like starts trying to chuck stuff in it's more obvious like the fact that jane fonda just looks kind of you know she does look different i think like yes well yeah but yeah but but i know what you mean like she's always been so stunning and as you say her face shape is her face shape can take it, basically, can't it? You know, whereas... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to compare it to someone like Simon Cow, <laughs> Just, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's also, you know, it's the start before you need it. Like, it should mm-hmm. be... It's a preventative measure, not a cure for cure for all. <laughs> Believe me, when that clock strikes 12 on the 23rd of August, <laughs> the tabs <laughs> that I'm going to be opening up, I have to just... Oh, like God. Emma, it's going to... When are going to need to... Uh, Stage an intervention, I think. I think we are, yeah. <laughs> Hello, hello, <laughs> Kylie. <laughs> I'm just really pouring water. <laughs> uh. Uh, yeah, sorry, we got vastly off topic we there, did. but um, <laughs> someone who doesn't need any surgery as yet is Yolanda, the dancing <laughs> cheese. <laughs> now, Oh no, we did already work out. I was just about to say, I was about to ask, which part of this do we think is the culturally insensitive part that the... Well, I think this could be up there too. And I also think the the cannonball... Yeah, the Zucchini Brothers. The Zucchini Brothers, so, yeah. Because it's, it's a real, it could be the Zucchini Brothers, it could be this, or it could be Steve Martin's uh, Chinese band. I, I mean, I definitely yeah. think it's Steve, 100%. But I also think this and Zucchini Brothers are borderline probably over the border to be honest as well like the fact that gonzo comes out yelling like arriba and dance you little firebrand enchilada and el toro and arriba and yeah it's just like it's not good it's not good it's not great no um but the fact that the cheese is called yolanda i do just find like (laughs) fantastic and i love the fact that she had like her little like Headpiece yes. as well. <laughs> yes. And all the cheese did was just kind of like leap. No, hold on. To be clear, all the cheese did was get pulled around on a string by someone <laughs> that was just like it just wobbling it. A- what do you mean, Jade? Yolanda was dancing. She did the fancy steps, Emma. <laughs> she did. 
Now, obviously, I am going to slightly poo-poo Gonzo for saying that men can't dance with men. <laughs> I don't think he'd say that now. I think that was that was useful. No, well, as we know, um, Gonzarella. Exactly. Exactly. We've come a long way, baby. <laughs> now we're corrupting the Muppet babies. <laughs> <laughs> the gay agenda. <laughs> it's real, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> Lewis, you're really coming out with a lot of quotes this episode that could be taken very out of context. <laughs> Please don't allow them to play this in court. <laughs> I'm worried you're just going to end up on Fox News. They're going to be like, there's this man and he fancies this Steve This pervert <laughs> thinks it's okay to say he's horny for granddaddies and that Gonzarella is fine. He even admits to the, <laughs> to the gay agenda. <laughs> His podcast, <laughs> Muppetsational. I mean, we have already been in the Daily Mail. The next the next step is potentially ending up on Fox News. Yeah. I know, I was really glad that somebody screenshotted our mention in the Daily yeah. Mail so then we didn't have to give them any clicks. <laughs> Boo the Daily Mail. And Fox News, unless that wasn't Well, clear. yes, obviously that's a given, Jay, but we haven't turned up on Fox News yet. I haven't said something <laughs> contentious enough. Give me time. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess the other thing with this was that it was that weird, dumpy Gonzo puppet as well, where he's still, even though he's in his, is it flamenco? I guess it's flamenco, is it, that he's sort of dressed up in? Oh, what's he listening? He's, no, he's wearing like a... Or is it more like a matador? I think it's flamenco. It flamenco. I think yeah, it's flamenco, said, yeah. yeah. I. It's a bit like I said the last episode. I always find it really odd when we see Gonzo's full puppet because mm. he's just so tiny. I like. I think they sort him out later, but I think at yeah. the moment they just have not got those proportions right at all. I was going to say he just doesn't seem in proportion at the moment, no. does he? No, he's just a very, very odd shape. Okay, so quick question: uh, Gonzo and Yolanda, are we putting them through to Hollywood? It's Gonzalez Lewis to give him his full stage name here. <laughs> Whatever, Jade. Like, <laughs> I think that's I'm be near a no the bottom of this glass me. of wine. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> It's all gonna get. It's gonna get real sloppy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a no from me too. So that's two no's. Would you put them through, Lewis? Could I? Could I do that? Like the contentious thing where I break up the act and ask to only put through Yolanda. Oh, sure, you could do that. <laughs> that's what I'd do. I'd put Yolanda through. <laughs> Just Yolanda. And leave Gonzalez. Yolanda would have to fly in the hold to make sure that she stays uh, nice and fresh and doesn't get too warm. She can lie on a first class cheese plate. (laughs) (laughs) But then she'll get eaten. Nobody ever touches the cheese on a cheese plate in first class, Jade. (laughs) Did I ever tell you about the time when I got... (laughs) I was on a flight to Canada and I was on my own and I was a bit stressed because like the food wasn't very nice. And then... That was why you were stressed because the food wasn't nice. (laughs) That's so ever. a way to make yourself this food. (laughs) But then the air crew were really sweet and they went to get me um, some food and they bought me back a cheese plate from first class. (laughs) (laughs) I'd really love to know how you kicked up this specific fuss. Diabetes, baby. (laughs) Oh, Oh, famously cheese, great for diabetes. (laughs) And crackers. That doesn't even make any sense. (laughs) Oh, we're so sorry about your diabetes. Here's this plate of trans fats. Like, just... 
That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Can I get a cup of tea? Thank you yeah, so much. <laughs> pretty much. I was like, can I have some fruit as well? <laughs> <laughs> It worked. <laughs> and also, do you have any of those mini pretzels? <laughs> <laughs> Take this away. <laughs> Thank you. Well done, Emma. That is quite something. Thank you. I also managed on the way back because there was a really bad delay with all the flights. So I went upstairs because I wanted to try and get into the lounge. And it was one of the ones where you could pay. And they were like, oh, no, we're full because where are all the delays? Like there were people obviously going up there. And then the guy in front of me, because he had, he was a member and then he had an American Express card, he could have a guest. So he was like, she can be my guest. And I was like, hey! hey. <laughs> it was lovely. I had a lovely time up there. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> what a generous stranger. <laughs> Did you have to eat lunch with him? <laughs> like, <laughs> No, that was literally it. We literally walked in and then that was it. Oh, well, very good. I mean, what a nice knows. I know, it was really sweet. I was literally like, I would get you a drink, but everything's free. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not how I... Nope, don't tell that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Not going to finish that story. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Lewis has also just picked up the glass of wine and thought better of it. Because I was like, if I drink that wine, then I'll tell the story. Yeah, the story is coming out. Let's move this along. (laughs) Yeah, so speaking... (laughs) Speaking of making old men happy, Statler and Waldorf... (laughs) Lewis! (laughs) I literally do not know what this show is going to be like when we listen back to this one. (laughs) It's... It's a Muppet Stational After Dark, absolutely 100%. It's our first (laughs) After Dark episode. Emma's high on carbs. I'm high on wine. (laughs) I've had some painkillers. Oh, I can move my arm a bit, actually. Oh, I'm back. She's back, baby. (laughs) I'm back, baby. (laughs) So, right. Statler and Waldorf doing whatever this song is. The Varsity Drag. Right. You cannot tell me that these two men are not flaming homosexuals. Who has... (laughs) Two matching, like, barbershop outfits just to hand. Not, like, ready to go. (laughs) Like, they were at the theatre to see the show. And then they said, we're doing auditions. They said, well, let us just grab our matching jackets and boater hats and we'll do a number. The only sad thing is it does seem like Waldorf has rickets because I don't know what his legs were doing. Both of their legs legs. were crazy in this. No, but particularly Waldorf's like came in before they went down. At least Statler's, you know, 
while long, were at least sort of bent the way a leg should go <laughs> on the whole. There was just too much of them. Both of their legs were so distracting from actually just watching them do the dance. I was like, why is your leg, why is it caving in and why is it not moving in the way that it should be moving? Very, very disturbing. Yeah, it much kind of like the um, Lautrec sisters. It was a little bit rough and ready. Oh, yeah. I think they were just having such a great time watching Steve Martin that they f- they all forgot that they actually had some numbers to do too. And then were like, oh, yeah, uh, we'll just do this against the black screen and it'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the legs, the like legs were like crazy. I the, the one thing I did like, though, was the fact that you had Fozzie in the box, like heckling them. Yes, I loved that. Yeah, that was a good touch. It was a very good touch. Um, I also have, I'm going to posit a, um, a second theory. Sam really enjoyed this act. Is Sam a gay Republican? Well, sorry to break our own cardinal rule here, which we said we weren't going to talk about when Brian was on. But do you remember that Brian was saying that Frank had written backstories for all of his characters and that Sam was a divorced father of two. Oh my now, god! Now that doesn't mean he's not gay. No, it does not. It definitely but doesn't. We all know now that Sam is a divorced father of two. So I guess just factor that in well, somehow. I'm I'm just look. He's a big fan of barbershop. I'm just saying, <laughs> like, and he's all about moral values. Yes, and very much. He's, yeah, I don't know. I'm getting slightly like gay Republican vibes. Very, very repressed. Gay Republican vibes. Yes. Deep, 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 deep. <laughs> Do you know why I keep touching my hair like I'm fucking in a Judy Garland special? Like... That is the longest we've gone before no, mentioning. I did. Oh, for God's sake, I was gone through an episode with her. But Judy you did. Garland. <laughs> glad, glad. No. This is like such a Muppetsational After Dark oh, episode. <laughs> I mean, it is 10 past nine. Like. <laughs> it's a weekday. Well, it's not because tomorrow's a bank holiday. I have to work tomorrow. <laughs> I, know, I know it's not your problem, but like, I just want to shout at someone. I probably could have not worked, but I just felt guilty because my boss said he was working. So I was like, <laughs> so, so. So <laughs> I don't know what we're cutting in and cutting out at this point. So I don't. I'm, I'm just giving whoever's editing this multiple giving options. Options. <laughs> so, 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 <laughs> so. A needle pulling thread. Yeah. No. <laughs> so this episode is just going to be entirely outtakes, right? So just <laughs> this episode is going to be ten minutes. Of yeah, twenty minutes. Steve twenty minutes. Martin. Good. <laughs> we enjoyed the bit with Steve Martin with the puppets and the racism. <laughs> no, we did not like the racism. Racism, but I did like the banjo. <laughs> horny for banjo. <laughs> Lewis is horny for everything. <laughs> now we sound like 80s robots. Find us on TikTok. <laughs> right. Uh, are we putting Statler and Waldorf through to Hollywood? No. They need to get back in their box. <laughs> Emma? Yeah, it's going to be a no from me as well. <laughs> I'm going to put them through. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis Chandler, supporter of old gay men. <laughs> That's fine, because me and Emma supported Mary Louise, so you can support Stuttler Old. <laughs> Elderly gays. <laughs> Elderly gays. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, this is 
the other one that's slightly dodgy? Marvin sucks. Frank Oz doing his Spanish accent, is it? I, it feels slightly like non... Because his name is Marvin Suggs, but then he has... <laughs> he does have a, a sort of pan-European accent. Yeah. But then he is sort of wearing sort of... Was he wearing like flamenco-ish yeah, kind of frilly? Yeah, he was a frilly... bit flamenco-y as well, wasn't he? Yeah, it's it's kind of like a non-specific but European-esque... Yeah, it kind of falls into that kind of like Manuel or yeah, Inspector exactly. Clouseau or mm-hmm. I don't know, just that kind of like comedy European character. You yeah. know that? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, <laughs> it's it's not taking the direct rip out of someone, but it's still certainly sort of like white Anglo-American centric, sort of going, look at these funny little foreigners over there yeah exactly exactly it's it's going haha you're so weird yeah because you can speak two languages and we only need to speak one (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh however the vegetable glee club yes in and of themselves amazing yes we have no bananas we have no bananas today We've string beans and onions, cabbages and scallions and all kinds of fruit and say We have an old-fashioned tomato A nice juicy potato But yes, we have no Ahead. How's the artichoke? Singing my heart out. I just thought the song was so much fun, and even if Marvin Suggs is clearly questionable, the dancing and the swaying and the way that the fruits and vegetables were all getting so into it, I found it very charming, even if I was sort of like yee at the same time. <laughs> it was a real mix, a mix, a mix of emotions. <laughs> A real vegetable grill, if you were. <laughs> Just a mixed vegetable grill, which Emma also asked for from first class, but... <laughs> was not available. Was no longer available. <laughs> but was available in the lounge. I had my fruit, cheese and crackers, so I was good. <laughs> what was the meal that you turned down? Oh, I don't know. I think because I was near the back of the plane, it was like, you know, whatever was left that nobody else wanted. So <laughs> I don't know if that's how that works. <laughs> Surely you're like close to the galley if you're at the back of the plane. I'd like be leaning around and be like, you got any more of those pasta bakes? <laughs> Anybody not take their meal? I have done that before. I have asked if somebody hasn't taken a meal. What did they say? They said, yeah, you can have another one if you want. Like, really? What are they going to do with it? Like, chuck it out the window? Like, no, they're going to eat it themselves. They've got food. Uh, I've previously eaten star food on a plane and it is not good. Trust me. Wait, what situation were you in where you ate star food? Jade, you were never a hostess. No, no, I was never a hostess. Um, Me being vegetarian, they didn't put my vegetarian meal on the plane one time. They only had meat options so I literally couldn't have a meal so they were like you can have a staff meal if you want and I was like what is it it was I I kid you not it was just basically penne pasta 
in like a basic tomato sauce with two slabs of plastic cheese on the top of it. Not even like mixed in or anything. Oh no. It's just no. like dumped on I would have been top. like, can I just have like six of those like dehydrated bread rolls? Yes. <laughs> I'll just have six packets of crackers <laughs> and the little cheeses. Yeah. <laughs> Some cheeses for us vegetarian meats. <laughs> So yeah, so if you are taking a double meal, Lewis, you are depriving a host or hostess of their of a genuine meal. <laughs> okay, well I was sitting at the back near the galley and I sort of rolled myself around super cash. <laughs> I can imagine. We can imagine. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but no, but like as somebody who has also worked in hospitality, like if somebody just like rolled around super cash and was like, You got any meals left? If I only knew that there was enough meals for me, I'd be like, No, sorry, they're all got like there's no there's no reason they would have given me a second meal if they didn't have a surplus. Do you know what I mean? Like, if I'm I was sure in that situation, fine. I'm never giving a customer something. <laughs> so, like, I will give a customer as... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'll give a customer whatever they Anything. want. Anything. Anything they want. As long as it doesn't directly impact me in any way. <laughs> I've been in scenarios where I've outright lied to customers. Like, sometimes I haven't given them a table they wanted because they were slightly rude to me at a door. Like, and I was like, no, sorry, that's booked. And I've let them look at that table for 45 minutes and I've felt nothing. I don't care. <laughs> Always be nice to the people at the front door. Never, never get angry at a gay man with a headpiece and an, an iPad. Like they, they, like they're mad with power. The Vegetable Glee Club was great. It really was putting them through to Hollywood. Yeah, I would. I, I really liked some of the quips that came out of them, especially when the yeah. asparagus was like, "I feel naked without the hollandaise." See, that was the one for me that didn't work. I loved the other two, and then I thought that one was pretty shit. I'm not gonna lie, Emma. Yeah, no, I'm with you, Lewis. Like, I really like the article. Yeah, Emma, you idiot! <laughs> like, no, I didn't say that. Oh my god, Jay did. Oh my god, Jay just slapped Emma in the face. <laughs> I saw it. I know all our listeners heard it too. They're all witnesses. <laughs> we need to wrap this up real soon. <laughs> Things gonna get real. I'm gonna smash this glass just for the hell of it. No, I really liked the artichoke saying that they were singing their heart out, and yeah. the the slow tomato saying I'll catch up. But yeah. yeah, the the asparagus did not work for me. I was like, oh, okay, Sorry, Emma. that's weird. <laughs> Sorry, Emma. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I also really loved when Floyd came over to Kermit and said, "Are you taking them on the show?" And then he was like, "I want to take them out for dinner." And then Animal saying, "The Soprano looks delicious." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Lewis. Lewis is gone. <laughs> it's a really good joke. That was I funny. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's really good. Not like that shitty hollandaise joke, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> she didn't write it. <laughs> uh, so I think we're all putting them through to Hollywood, yes? We are. Yes. And from one vegetable to another, we then go to the uh, Zucchini Brothers, who are... I mean, yeah, I mean... For every Marvin Suggs who were like, oh, maybe they just like a, this was just outright kind of like Italian stereotypes up the wazoo. I really struggled to hear exactly what they were saying, but I realised at one point that they were yelling Anna Magnani. 
which did make me giggle that the only Italian thing they could think to yell was the name of the most famous Italian actress. That is like the, um, the there is a bit in uh, the IT crowd, which, as we all know, is written by uh, no one because whoever used to write it is a terrible turf. Um, there is a joke in it where um, Catherine Parkinson's character lies and says she can speak Italian. And she does exactly that where she goes, Ah, beba, blah, blah, blah. Fiat Punto Sofia Loren. <laughs> it's like a business meeting. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, that's the Zucchini Brothers yeah. in a nutshell. Fiat Punto Sofia Loren. <laughs> I did find out a fun fact about them, although it did make me question even more why the caricaturing was so terrible. So it's Frank Oz, Richard Hunt, Dave Gould's playing the Zucchini Brothers. Yeah. And the characters are actually based on waiters at a restaurant that they all used to go to. And apparently the waiters used to like quite frequently mess up their orders. <laughs> so I understand having it as like these fun, bumbling brothers. Yeah. But the fact that it's quite as racist as it is, is really dodgy. I suppose it's one thing to be like, if you have an anecdote... A specific anecdote is quite different than... A specific anecdote where you're told, like, we used to always go to this restaurant and these guys always used to mess up our order is one thing. But they then decide to take it into, we're now going to build some puppets and give them some silly accents. Make them yell Prego and Anna Magnani. And be... And be parroting those, like, these exaggerated Italian accidents and being like, boomba, boomba. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it does, although it does slightly, it does make me laugh only because um, I used to work at a, uh, a company that owned a bunch of cocktail bars in London, but was also the owner of the Bunga Bunga uh, oh <laughs> Italian <God. laughs> franchise, which was obviously from Berlusconi when he got sort of yeah. it orgies yeah. or sex parties where he's like, oh, it was just a bit of Bunga Bunga. Which, and then they were like, what a fabulous name for an Italian restaurant. And Although it does actually have a genuinely high amount of Italians working at <laughs> Bunga Bunga. And actually, we used to have a lot of Italians working at Cahoots as well, to a point where some old, older, weirder uh, clientele used to be like, why do you have so many Italians working at a bar that's set in a 1940s underground station? And it's like, like before we used to be like, oh, you know, some of them used to run over here because they wanted to get away before it was before the Italians became the allies, you know, blah, blah. And then near the end, I was like, shut up. Like, I genuinely was just like, who cares? Like, like you're in a cocktail. Like, this isn't a real underground station. I wear these high-waisted trousers until 1am. Get the hell out. Like, I don't care anymore. But yeah, Boomba Boomba and Boonga Boonga, uh, it made me laugh. I did have slight Muppet Vision 3D vibes at the end when he went into the wall. I have it you written down. down to, there it is. Where is Muppet Woo! Vision 3D. Muppet Vision. Boomba Boomba. Into the wall. Boomba Boomba and Muppet Vision 3D. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the minute the zucchini brother uh, shot out into the Muppet Theatre and landed in the side of the wall. Um, is it Beaker that does that in Muppet Vision 3D? <sighs> Is it Beaker? I think is I think it is. Or is it is it Beaker or is it that weird like CGI That's thing? What I, I or was is it? it was oh CGI yeah, thing. maybe it's the weird CGI. Or is it the thing. bunny? No, I don't. No, because then you no, because then you see. Oh wait, or am I now confusing that with like Shrek 3D, where you see the little legs going? You know the little fairy that gets like shot out and then it lands like it's basically a rip off of Muppets 3D. I do. Yeah, I don't think that's. Vision. I don't think you see legs. I think I remember there's. You do see, oh, maybe they just shoot a cannon. You do see Swedish Chef, don't you, through the hole, I think. I 
I genuinely can't no, remember. I can't. It's been so long since I've <laughs> ridden Muppet Vision 3D. <laughs> Experience. <laughs> Experienced. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it's definitely that that kind of vibe, isn't it? Yeah. So um, the Zucchini Brothers, are we putting them through to Hollywood? No. I'm going to say no as well. Okay. My thought would be if it was done with genuine Italians <laughs> and they had a cannon and shot somebody across a room, I kind of would like to see that, but only with real Italian puppets. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think that's an unfair request. So Pinocchio is basically what you're asking for. Look, Jane, high diddly dee an actor's life for me, you know? (laughs) I actually only watched that movie for the first time last year. How the hell did we show children that film? It's absolutely absolutely terrifying. terrifying. I don't think I've ever watched it all the way through because it's just horrible. Well, no, we never had it on video, did we? No. That was not one that we had. So then I watched it last year thinking like, oh, I'll I'll fill in the gaps. And I watched that and I was like, trauma. Like, I was like a horror. It is. It is. It's so traumatic. Even the ride, though, is really scary, I think. Do you know what? I don't think I've ever been on that ride. No, we always skipped that one. Our family had no connection to Pinocchio whatsoever, so we used to walk right by... (laughs) Not a bit of Pinocchio. No, we used to just go straight to Peter Pan ride. Exactly, we'd go straight to Peter Pan's flight. But you have to do all three. You have to do Peter Pan, Snow White, and Pinocchio. It's the the trilogy. I know, but we didn't. (laughs) Look, Jade... (sighs) Obviously, if I were to go alone, I'd be, you know, I'd be on the People Mover. I would be on Carousel of Progress. You know, I'd be doing all of these stupid things. <laughs> like, but you know, we used to go as a family, and we had a lot of places to hit, and our dad's patience to also factor into the equation. So, not a bad way. Just like he's not going to go on a Pinocchio right? <laughs> like, you should have just sat your dad somewhere and been like, you stay here. We're gonna... This looks fun. A bench. <laughs> Go do these things. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Pinocchio is amazing and is sadly no longer at Walt Disney World, but it is still in Paris. So you can still God, go I haven't even done it in Paris. Actually, Emma, I think I, Emma, I think we did do it in Paris because I've just suddenly had a vision of Stromboli talking in French. <laughs> no, genuinely. Being like, oh, you know, French words, like slamming a a, a, a sort of cage shut. Jade, why are you laughing? Well, because you said- Why am I laughing? Because you said I had a vision of Stromboli speaking French. Then decided you were going to do an impression, which involved you going, oh, French words. Well, because I suddenly realised, I was like, right, that might be culturally appropriative or not. Like, like, as somebody who, much like Girls Loud, can't speak French and only lets the funky music do the talking, I was not going to try and, like, launch into, like, j'ai écouté de la musique, like, où est la bibliothèque? Um... But I, I have just suddenly had a vision of Stromboli speaking French. So I think we have been on the Pinocchio ride, Emma. Is it a boat? No. All right, maybe we have It's haven't. like the Snow White carriages. But it's got like Cleo and Figaro and things on it. Uh, maybe we dwarfs. have. Maybe we've done it once, Emma. Possibly. I, I honestly can't remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it obviously didn't scar you in the same way as the film. So that's good. <sighs> I mean, that scarred me last year. Like, that's not even... I mean, I do remember watching... Do you remember that weird live-action one that came out while we were in primary school? Oh, what was that? There was, like, a live-action one. 
And I just remember we watched it at junior school once because, mm. you know, one of those days where they're just like, bring in a video. And I remember seeing the scene where the kids turn into donkeys and it's not done in a pool hall. It's done in a roller coaster instead. Ooh. Like a wooden roller coaster. Okay. It's de- like I, I can picture it in my head. It's very weird. <laughs> I don't. I've blocked that from my memory, but that's not surprising because I just find For the best. it petrifying, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So, um. Do we have any other business to get to or shall we give our MVMPs and rankings? I feel like we've mentioned pretty much everything. I just want to mention the start of the Rumbled Off button on the end where they said it was lousy but different. And I thought that was very apt for this episode <laughs> because obviously it was quite different. Our episode or this episode of The Muppet Let's Show? Let's let the listeners decide. <laughs> <laughs> Please do let us know. <laughs> Well, I'm going to be very interested to see how we are going to rank the episode. But first, we must decide upon our MVMP, our most valued Muppet performer. Emma, why don't you kick us off? So my MVMP for this episode has got to be Mary Louise because she tries (laughs) to get on the show. She wants her five minutes of fame. I love the fact that she comes back as Terry Louise and Carrie Louise. She just keeps trying. She wants to be in showbiz. Like you trying to get into that executive lounge. She's just going to keep on <laughs> trying. Keep Hanging on around. Trying. So yeah, uh, purely for that, I'm going to give it to Mary Louise. Um, what about you, Jade? Yeah, I'm giving it to Mary Louise Woo! as well. Because I Are you really? Was, yeah, I thought she was so <laughs> funny and cute. I also really loved that with the frog, she was dressing the frog up in different things. So like when she did tie a yellow ribbit around the old oak tree the frog had a yellow ribbon on and yeah just i don't know there is nothing funnier than someone getting hoiked off the stage by a vaudeville cane and every time it was so good i also just want to recognize that it's louise gold's first proper character after successfully audition nailing her audition so i like yeah i just i love that we do finally have another female member of the the Muppet team and also that she's British it's just it's fun yeah. it's good so yeah Mary Louise uh Lewis who's yours Muppet newsman <laughs> <laughs> horny horny Muppet newsman I can't I I I just can't not I just love that it gives a slightly different energy and angle to him and just yeah <laughs> just, it just it really made me laugh and it also made me around no I'm joking like it just <laughs> We need this to end now. <laughs> we need this to wrap up. I'm so like... worried about what else you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap it up. Why don't wrap we do up. our rankings for the episode? Jane. Emma, thank you. I do not need you to take over hosting. <laughs> <laughs> that was very uh, Lenny slash Kermit vibes there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your Lenny the lizard. Emma is absolutely the lizard. <laughs> do you have any cheese? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's move on to our uh, uh, rank- <laughs> rankings for this week. Emma, Lenny, why don't you go first? Um, so for this episode, I'm going to give it seven Lenny the Lizards out of ten. <laughs> um, I thought it was really fun, fast-paced. It was quite exciting, and it was really nice to just see like a completely different vibe for this episode. I really liked seeing um, everyone in the audience, like I said earlier, and kind of like all the really cute little bits of all the different Muppets all kind of like 
interacting with each other and the really clever little bits of like I said with Gonzo putting the seat to sit down and where Kermit sat in the audience with his legs up and everything and I just thought it was like a really sort of fun and refreshing vibe for where it was in the season as well and it was just really fun to also see Steve obviously in his element and showed his talent like we were saying earlier he wasn't kind of like slotted in being like okay yeah he can do a song he can just about do a dance then we kind of build up stuff around him oh my god I would love to see Steve Martin doing a dance. Yeah, that would have been quite fun to see as well. So I just, (laughs) you know, I just thought it was a really good, like, fun episode. So that's why I've given it seven Lenny the Lizards out of ten. How about you, Jade? So I did enjoy it, but I also feel like I have to acknowledge how much questionable content is in this. Fair. Fair. Because... There's just so many things that you just sort of feel a bit icky and it clearly is so of its time. And it also just makes me feel really sad that the episode when they felt like they could obviously completely cut loose and do anything, they lent into so many stereotypes and also were just overtly racist in places. So on balance, I'm going to give it six out of ten Latrec splits because I feel like there was... There was a lot to enjoy in it, and it was great fun to see Steve Martin on The Muppet Show. But equally, now, it just, it doesn't feel good in some places. It doesn't feel right. And yeah, I really, really hope that, well, I hope that a lot of these acts don't go to Hollywood and aren't getting booked on the show. Because I mean, I think we've sent quite a few of them. <laughs> we've sent a few. We've also not sent quite a few, so... Yeah. I mean, at least I gave the caveat of saying I do want genuine Italians to be shot, shot out of a cannon. <laughs> yeah. oh. What a caveat. Well, there's the quote to be pulled out. <laughs> Lewis wants Italians shot out of a cannon. No, it's Lewis is horny for grandpa. There's no... <laughs> there's nothing else. Lewis is particularly horny for grandpa who can get him into the first class lounge. <laughs> Lewis, what are you giving this episode? Uh, I'm going to give it seven cheese boards out of ten. I I think everything you've said is uh, completely uh, valid and uh, fair, Jade. Uh, I am, but I'm purely giving it a seven on by comparison to the rest of this season yeah. so yeah. i mean it's it almost speaks more poorly of the rest of the season where despite mm. some quite casual racism <laughs> this episode is still ranking higher than uh some other episodes we've already seen i think steve is a really interesting offbeat energy for the muppet show that we haven't quite had yet obviously very attracted to him now so that's something i'm just gonna have to work through when i watch season two of <laughs> only murders in the building and see jane lynch as his dog body double again <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm not exploring that <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> not on mic anyway <laughs> jesus <laughs> oh my god <laughs> we might cut that bit <laughs> I feel like there's going to be a lot cut from this episode. <laughs> we liked the Muppets with Steve Martin, apart from the racism and <laughs> the end. Subscribe. I loved the uh, sort of uh, the looser feel and the fact that the production team feels so confident that they can sort of break away from the variety show format. I will be interested to see 
if it ever happens again. As far as I do not, I you know, we we none of us know <laughs> what else is coming apart from the guests. We don't know about the format of the episodes or the show. So I'd be very interested to see if we do see any further breaks in that kind of format. Um, but it was nice to sort of just feel a bit more of a looser energy, even if that did seem to then <laughs> open up the gates for some appropriation and uh racism or uh early, uh, culturally insensitive uh portrayals uh within the show so you know maybe it's better that we're going back into the uh, variety show format i assume from next week well <laughs> to try and pull us back into some sort of state of <laughs> grace and dignity uh it is oh i've just realized i need to give my outfit for the week <laughs> A feature that I'm not quite sure that I've actually done every week or not. <laughs> I'm just going to say um, Yolanda the Cheese's little headdress. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, and now let's... Uh, <laughs> I was going to say like, dance our way over, but actually much like Yolanda the Cheese, just throw ourselves violently attached to string over to... Jade's book club corner and I can't believe Jade we've both drank all our wine before we actually got to the book club I still have some I got nothing left (laughs) I cannot believe you've drunk all of that wine we've been here for like an hour and 15 minutes although for listeners it's only been a lean 30 because of how much we've cut (laughs) yeah it's gonna be a long outtake in this one (laughs) it's gonna be all outtake so I really wasn't sure what uh, what little section of the book to read today, but I was flicking through it and I saw this little bit about Richard Hunt and I felt like the vibe and the spirit of how Christopher Finch talks about Richard Hunt is quite in keeping with how I see Steve Martin. So I just thought I'd pay a little tribute to, to Richard Hunt because we don't talk about him that much on the show at the moment, which is probably partly because... Beaker has not played that much of a role in the Muppet Show yet. No. <laughs> Sorry. So this is from Of Muppets and Men by Christopher Finch, and he writes: Richard Hunt is often to be discovered reading the International Herald Tribune. He reads it in the canteen, on the band stage, in the performers' lounge, and on set. More often, though, he is performing. He seems to get more unadulterated pleasure from performing than anyone else in the organisation. When he is not working on camera, he is apt to have Scooter or Beaker or Janice, anyone, on his arm for the purpose of entertaining visitors to the studio. If there are no visitors around, he will attempt to entertain his co-workers. If they are too busy or bored or exhausted to pay attention, he will conduct a conversation with himself. That is to say, with the character he is operating. Isn't it great, Richard? What's that, Scooter? This week's show, of course. What else? I think it's just wonderful. Just then, Jerry Jewell walks by. Scooter looks at him, leans towards Richard, masks his mouth with one hand, and says in a stage whisper that can be heard all over the studio, How about the writing talent on this show? Isn't it unbelievable? Without these guys, I'd have nothing to say. If Richard Hunt doesn't have a Muppet handy, he performs anyway, mugging for a still cameraman, demonstrating a Three Stooges routine for the benefit of a crew member, impersonating Nelson Eddy for no particular reason at all. Like Jerry Nelson, he is a versatile on-camera performer, but his importance to the show derives also from his off-camera personality. He makes the crew laugh, jokes with the guest stars, clowns for the shop personnel. 
he is one of the chief reasons for the loose atmosphere that exists around Studio D, despite the pressure and the slow pace that are endemic to television production. I just thought it was a really, really sweet little tribute to clearly what he brought to the Muppets and Jim Henson Productions in general, and obviously underlines what an enormous loss it is that Richard Hunt sadly passed away so young. I know. And a gay man as well. I just want to just put that out there too. Yeah. Yeah. So sad. That was really lovely, Jade. Thank you so much. Thank you, And thank you all so much for listening to Muppetsational. If you've enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review as it really helps spread the word about the podcast. You can follow us on social media. We are at Muppetsational on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok and Facebook. You can contact us at hiho at muppetspodcast.com and you can find out more about us and the podcast <laughs> Muppetspodcast.com I can't believe I've said that every single episode and I still don't know it. Like I just have to look at the I have to look at the screen to be like, where what are we doing and who are we and what's happening? I feel like I know it. How do you not know it? Because none of it's been committed to memory, Jade. Like, unless I'm being paid, I'm not learning the script. Like <laughs> Actors. <laughs> I know. How dare we just Anyway, thank you for listening to this hot mess of an episode of Compensational. I'm not sure what's going to have, like, stayed in the edit. So actually, maybe it's probably come together as something quite cohesive. But who knows at this point? Uh, I don't know who... Am I? Are you? Who are... I Would think it? I should probably take this one. <laughs> take a list. firm hand to this one. <laughs> <laughs> a real... Jade's really going to sort it one. out. <laughs> Pan for gold, Jade. Pan for gold. Pan for gold, yeah. <laughs> uh, until next week, I've been <laughs> the gay ghost of Lewis Chandler. <laughs> I've been Jade Turner. Bye. And I've been Emma Chandler. Bye. <laughs> she would like a cheese plate. We'll see you next week on another episode of Muppet Sational. Bye. 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 Our theme music is Peppy Pepe by Kevin MacLeod and our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge who you can follow at at charlie underscore r underscore rudge on Instagram. That was a funny show. Yes, it was. I wonder if they meant it that way. (laughs) 